Hi, and welcome to Is It Dad Rock Yet? I'm Martin, and with me as ever is Steve. Hello! So before we start, Martin, I've got a couple of updates from our last episode with Batchio Death Trip. So we discussed Rage Against the Machine cancelling their UK and Europe tour, and we discussed promotional singles. So I'll start with Rage. Leeds and Reading, which takes place this weekend coming up, but that's from recording today. It'll be the weekend just gone after release. They've decided to allow refunds, and I think it's just for the day tickets, but I wasn't expecting that at all. I was just expecting, you know, you've paid to go to a festival. Sorry, some people dropped out. No refunds. But they've turned around and they're giving refunds, which I thought was great. And then there is the promotional singles. So after I was editing the last episode, it piqued my interest again. I thought, what is the difference between a promotional single and the commercial single? So promotional singles are distributed to radio stations, nightclubs, media outlets. They're just there to promote either a single or an album, whereas a commercial single is available for sale. So back in the sort of early 2000s, it seems pretty straightforward to release a single. Um, it's a hard copy of everything. People go into music shops, they buy the singles, they tally up the sales, and that becomes the singles charts. Obviously, the singles charts are split into, you know, alt-rock, rock, all that punk chart and stuff like that, so they can divvy that up. But ultimately, it's a really simple medium to, to count because it's sales. So, Steve, at the risk of boring all our listeners, if you can, tell us a bit more about how the streaming singles work in this sort of modern age. Okay, so with, with a single, like obviously I can just upload a single to Spotify, to Apple, to Amazon, whatever. It'll get streamed, but that doesn't mean it's going to go onto the singles chart. You have to register it for it to go onto the singles chart. So it needs to have an ISRC code, which is the International Standard Recording Code. It's basically a serial number for that song. Then you've got to follow some chart rules. You can find them on theofficialchart.com. And honestly, it's really boring. Didn't enjoy reading it at all. But basically it said, you're not allowed to bribe anyone for this chart position. The final sort of piece of a puzzle is that it has to be sold, uh, or streamed, sorry, by a registered distributor such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon. So I think the main thing between promotional and a commercial single is getting that um, ISRC code put onto that single so that it can be tracked and the number of streams can be tracked and the number of, I guess, sales across the world can be tracked as well. And I think that's pretty cool. It sure is, Steve. But do you know what else is quite cool? You tell me. A game. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a game for you. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to it. So the game is... So, well, I'll be a bit, bit of background about why we're playing this game and why I sort of thought it up. Um... Back in the day, you'd buy an album, early 2000s, you'd done your paper out, you'd got your paper and money, I got paid £9.50 a week, which was insane, um, as in terrible, obviously, even for then. And I'd save a pound of money, I'd go to HMV, go to Virgin Megastores, go to wherever, playplay.com or wherever it was that you bought your albums from. You'd buy an album from the song you liked, and then you'd just literally just listen to that album continuously. You would look at the artwork, you would see the track lists, and you'd, sort of, you'd know all the songs and track lists off by heart. Fair to say? That is fair to say, yeah. And then... It kind of got me more thinking, like, nowadays, I listen to loads and loads of bands, Spotify comes on, it plays all these songs, it, after an album's finished, it goes on to a random song, if I like it, I click like, and it creates a playlist for me for my like songs, but I have no idea about these new albums that come out, I really struggle with knowing what the songs are called, um, I recognise the music, I recognise the songs, I learn the lyrics, but I just do not take in the, the names of the songs. So that's the background of why I decided to do this game. 
So with that in mind, Steve, name an album that you used to listen to a lot in your teenage years, so early 2000s, um, and obviously choose an album that you feel that you're going to be pretty confident on naming the uh, the album track names. Okay. Um, there's a couple of albums come to mind. Not that many, to be honest. But I think I'm going to go with The Used, because I've listened to it quite recently. Okay. The Used self-titled, yeah? Yep. Cool. Right, so you've got... I'll give you the, the clue. It's 12, there's 12 tracks on the original copy. Uh-huh. Um, can you name them? I'll give you a minute. Try and name as many as you can. And rather than having a, a minute of dead air, we'll play a bit of uh, bit of the used from that album to get the old nostalgia juices flowing while Steve racks his brains. Feel free to play along at home. <laughs> Time is up, Steve. How did you do? Um, not as well as I thought I was going to, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I've got eight written down. I believe they're all actual song names okay. rather than me making stuff up. But I thought I would know at least ten. Okay, so hit me. I've got Maybe Memories. Correct. I've got The Taste of Ink. Correct. Bulimic. Correct. Say Days Ago. Correct. Buried Myself Alive. Correct. You have missed one if you're doing it in order. I'm not yeah. doing order. Okay. Uh, box full of sharp objects. Correct. Blue and yellow. Correct. And on my own. Correct. They're the ones that I got, but I, that's all I've got. Do you want me to read? No. Uh, do you want me to give you clues, or I'll just tell you the answer. Yeah, just tell me the answers. So you missed out. Poetic tragedy. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Greener with the scenery. Oh, I knew there was a song with green in it, but then I was like, oh, it's blue and yellow. That's what I'm getting confused with. Noise and kisses. Oh, I love that song. And Pieces Mended. Oh, yeah. And there's also a hidden track. What's that called? Polly. Ah, Choke Me, that's the that's the one. That's probably the best track on the album, actually. It's really good. So good, you couldn't even remember it. Well, no, because it's not, it's not actually... When you had the album, it wasn't on the... That's a good point, yeah. You never actually yeah. mentioned it. It wouldn't be very hidden if they told you it. It was just on the end of Pieces Mended. I think it was Pieces Mended. 8 out of 12. Not bad, Steve. Not bad at all. Three out of four, I guess. It's not bad. Yep. So, moving on. Name an album that you've been listening to quite a lot recently that's a more recent album. Uh, what a great noise. Um, I haven't really been listening to many albums, I'll be honest. So, I'm going to go with the albums that I've listened to the most this year, and that'll be Comeback Kids' new album, Heavy Steps. Okay, so again, we'll, we'll play some, uh, some samples of their songs while Steve racks his brains and he gets a minute to do it. Try and name as many songs as you can do. Right. 
So time's up, Steve. How uh, how well did you do? How did you find that compared to doing it for the used? I found it difficult. Uh, I guess I don't have 20 years of memories with this one. I've got a few months and really I thought about when they released the tracks on YouTube when it first came out and I was like, right. And then the thing with Comeback Kid is they will call the song a line from the they will call the song a line from the song like one of the lyrics most of the time so i had to remember that iconic bit which was the song name and i only got one two three four five six and i only got six i don't know how many tracks are on the album so there's 10 no 11 okay so i only got six and i'm not even sure if they're all correct okay do you want to give us a shot give us a shot give us give us what you got i'll give you what i got i've got heavy steps correct menacing weight yep Dead on the fence. Yep. No easy way out. Yep. Crossed. Yep. And face for fire. Yes, correct. So they're the only ones I got. I'm glad I got them all right. And I didn't yeah, make no, well, up, but... well done. I, I would have got two, which is heavy steps and no easy way out. And I think if you'd have said dead on the fence, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, because I remember when we went to go see them not that long ago at the Breadshed in Manchester, which is a very good venue, just to let everyone know. Very small. So I can't remember which ones exactly you said, Steve, I'll be honest with you. So I'll just read them all out. So track one, so Heavy Steps. Got it. No Easy Way Out. Got it. Face the Fire. Got it. Crossed. Got it. Everything Relates. Nope, didn't get it. Dead on the Fence. Got that one. Shadow of Doubt. Nope. True to Form. Nope. In Between. Nope. Sand Still. Nope. And Menacing Weight. Well, I got the last track. Well done. So to be honest with you, you did much better than I thought you would do. I thought you'd absolutely flop at the... Not obviously just because I wanted you to fail, but like... In general, I thought you would you would struggle, especially now from working from home. Because I know when you drove your car a lot to work, your car tells you what you're listening to, which I think probably gives you an edge. But now working from home, your phone's on the side or whatever. You don't you don't see the tracks at all. Yeah. But... Tell me your secret, Steve. How do you remember them? Well, when I do drive to work, I look yeah. at the <laughs> thing on my phone. Not on my phone, on my car. I look at the thing on the car, and I think that's the only reason I remember them. But also, usually... The song has got the title in it somewhere, like Dead on the Fence. I think he shouts it right at the beginning. Before we start this episode, Martin, I thought it'd be quite cool to start promoting some UK bands, you know, like unsigned, unheard of bands. I thought it might be quite cool. Our one listener might enjoy the bands that we promote. And I've decided to call it It's Not Dad Rock Yet, because these are new bands and we're not going to choose anything that sounds anything like Dad Rock. Now, I knew going into this that we were going to get some bands that just weren't very good or weren't my cup of tea. And to be honest, I was quite surprised at the quality of the bands that we, that, you know, that got in touch. They were all really good, but one band stood out to me and I thought, let's do these guys on our first segment. And that band I called Grandad and they're from somewhere around the M25. You can find their debut EP on Bandcamp and that'll really support them to record their full-length album. I really enjoy them. I think you guys will as well. Here's a clip of their song, OIC.
Unless you've got anything else to add, Martin. Episode 21, Goldfinger, Stomping Ground from the year 2000. So Martin, why do you want to do this album? Why did we pick it? So I think we chose this album for me, the... I've always known Goldfinger. I've always not not personally, obviously, <laughs> uh, known of Goldfinger. Always kind of like the hits, um, Superman from Tony Hawk's. Um, recently got into them more, um, more food from you, to be honest with you, Steve. I know you you was getting it right into them as well. Um, we went to go see him not that long ago with Less Than Jake. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was awesome. Um, went in the pit. It's one of the few bands that I actually go in the pit for. Um, I've also been in the, the first time I went in a circle pit as well when they supported uh, well Real Big Fish and Goldfinger at Leeds Refectory. It must have been like 2004, 2005. So lots of sort of memories, but I never really properly got into them. It's a good opportunity to listen to the back catalogue. I wouldn't usually have ventured into it. So yeah, I was well up for this album. What about yourself, Steve? Yeah, I was the same. Uh, like you said... I've been listening to him quite a lot recently. It was after we went to go see him in 2017 at Slam Dunk. That was with Real Big Fish and Goldfinger as well, to be honest with you. So I really enjoyed that set. I listened to the new album, The Knife, and really enjoyed it. And then I just put it on playlists at home, listened to it with my wife. Uh, I tend to listen to that kind of music with my daughter because I can't listen to things like Not Loose and Comeback Kid because she absolutely hates it. It's not really fair on her, is it? And I really liked that album, I really liked the new album, but the back catalogue, I knew a bit of Open Your Eyes and then some singles here and there. So I thought doing this album would be a really good way to get to know that back catalogue. So Steve, I'm, I'm the quiz master for this episode and I will kick it straight off with who are the band members and what do they do? So I think Goldfinger is basically John Feldman, really, isn't it? He writes the songs, he sings the songs, he plays guitar... It's John Feldman. Pretty much, yeah. When you think of Goldfinger, it's John Feldman, for definite. The other original member is Charlie Paulson. He's been in and out of band a few times, but he is currently part of a band. Um, and he was part of a band when they wrote this album. Kelly Lemieux, I want to say that's how it's pronounced. Kelly played bass. He's no longer in the band, and he's been replaced by Mike Carrera of MXPX fame. And then the drummer is Darren Pfeiffer. I think he's pronounced P. Pfeiffer. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Darren, Fe- uh, Darren Pfeiffer, yeah. So I read that he left Goldfinger due to some conflicts with John Feldman. Didn't say what they were, but I guess it was like maybe the style that, that he wanted to take the band in, and I know that's one of the reasons Charlie Paulson left uh, originally. And he's been replaced by, well many different drummers but on the knife it's Travis Barker and then they do have a full-time drummer now but I can't remember his name yeah no that's it pretty much like I think you hit the nail on the head with John Feldman is pretty much Goldfinger but yeah um, everyone else did some stuff I'm sure in what year did Goldfinger form 1994 correct and bonus question Steve do you know what he did as a job before Goldfinger I know he worked in a shoe shop I don't know if he was a manager or just like a a salesperson there, but he worked in a shoe shop and it was the same shoe shop as the original Goldfinger bassist, but I don't, don't remember that person's name. That is correct. Well done. Some knowledge for you there. Mm. I've done, I've done some, uh, some research in this episode. <laughs> what number, I can tell, what number album is this for Goldfinger? It is their third album. Can you name the previous two? The first one is Goldfinger, self-titled, and the second one is Hang Ups. Correct. Well done. How long... I know you like this, these sort of questions, Steve. How long is the album? This one 
is a good album length. Mm-hmm. It's 42 minutes. It is 42 minutes. Well done. Great length for an album. It's literally the best. Um, how many tracks on the album? I'm going to go with... This is just a bit of a guess, because I'm not sure, but I'm going to go with 12. So it is 14, and the Japanese version has four more songs that are covers. Okay. It seems... Do, do we still get Japanese versions? Because it seems like all these old albums that we do, and I think we've, we've already sort of touched on this a while ago, but it feels like the original comes out with 10 tracks or whatever, and then it's usually like the Japanese version or that it's called that and it gets extra songs or very rarely is it uh, Australian versions sometimes gets extra songs as well. And it's like, is that just a uh, t- sign of the t- time or what was the word? You know, what's the phrase? Like that's kind of what it happened at the, back then. Yeah. Sign of the times. Sign of the times. I think it is because now when you release an album, you release it digitally. Just worldwide so, touch of a button. Yeah. Pretty much everyone gets the same thing. Don't they? Like, I don't know if there's a way to filter out, filter it out for different countries, but well, I guess it will be on some platforms. But yeah, back then it was kind of like this physical physical copy would be released by you know a few labels or two labels in tandem or you know one label with you know uh, in that area. No, and they have it, distribution labels, don't they? Yeah, in yeah. And then areas. in another area, it might be with a completely different label. And I think that's potentially why. It's kind of like, maybe it's like, oh, this album, we've got two tracks for the Japanese import because it came out later. It's like an added bonus or something like that. But nowadays, I think it's so easy to go online and and stream it the second it comes out that it's kind of dead. Yeah, well, the newest album um, has got... It's like a deluxe version now. And it's got a couple of extra... I think, um, what is it? Here in my room with... Avril Lavigne and Superman with uh, Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro. So it's like they're still doing it, like, you know, r- deluxe versions or, you know, re- redos of the albums, but it's more just releasing... Again, that'll just be released to everywhere at the same time again, won't it? But they're just adding new songs to it, really. Yeah, I guess that was maybe a bit of a way to promote the album a bit more, get a few more streams, potentially some more sales. I saw, actually, Slipknot's new album. They're releasing... Well, records are selling a lot more. And Slipknot are releasing nine records, same record, all with different sleeves, different members of the band for each different sleeve. And it's just a money-making scheme, isn't it? Because it's kind of like, if you're a Slipknot fan or an avid Slipknot fan, you're going to want to buy all nine. Let's say all nine, well, each one of them costs 30 quid. That's nine times 30 quid, which is just less than 300 quid. 270 quid. Quick maths. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, like, I, I'll be honest with you, I think that is just awful. Like, I can kind of, I get it, but it's just like, it's just a money-making scheme and it's just a bit grim, yeah, personally. I get, I get it from a, a business point of view. And then I thought about it from like an avid fan or an avid collector's point of view. But actually, it's pretty cool for them. If they don't have to spend the money to get all nine, you can buy one with... Corey Taylor on it. You can buy one with Mick Thompson on it. It doesn't. You, it might not even matter which one you want because you just want to listen to the album and you like listening to records. But then you might get the odd fan who's like, "Nah, fuck this. I want all nine. Yeah. Well, I think the odd fan. I think there'd be a lot of fans where they want them all. I think Slipknot. Not necessarily a gold finger, but I could be wrong. Anyway, we digress. Uh, back onto the questions. What are the singles from the album? Well, finally, we've actually got some singles because the last three episodes. It was a it was a trick question last three episodes, uh, but the singles from this album, uh, counting the days. Everything I hear, everything I 
99 Red Balloons. And next question, true or false, both singles from the album reached the top 10 both in the UK and the US? That is false, because I believe this album was a bit of a flop in the US, and it only sold moderately well in the UK and Europe. I don't think it's been certified, so that means it sold less than 500,000 albums in the US, and less than 60,000 in the UK. So I was actually quite interested about the certifications. I was trying to find out how many units did this album sell, because Lincoln Park sold 27 million, which turns out is absolutely insane. So it turns out that every country has a, has a different threshold, and on Wikipedia you can find certifications for the US, UK, and France. So in the UK, to get a certification you need to you need to sell 60,000 albums, in the US you need to sell 500,000 albums, and I, I didn't bother really remembering the other ones but now that streaming's come along and i thought this was interesting is that one unit of sales is actually 150 streams it's not like for like it's not like one stream gets you one unit of sales it's it's 150 which i think is quite fair to be honest yeah i mean i listen to a hell of a lot more albums than i buy because i don't buy any albums can you name the songs with the most streams on spotify for this album i'm gonna go with 99 red balloons correct and how many do you reckon I'm going to go with, like, 4 million. A little bit off. It's 88 million, which that, is really surprising. That is a surprising amount of streams. But also, I mean, I suppose, think about it critically, is it because it's a cover and that's why it's done so well? People know it already. It's a big sort of party hit kind of thing. And you put that on and a lot of people will recognise it, even yeah. if they don't like Goldfinger or no Goldfinger. Yeah, I mean, I've got a friend who isn't really into this type of music, but he knows Goldfinger do a cover of 99 Red Balloons. I'm just looking now as well, Martin. So, Counting the Days has only got 4 million. San Simeon, which is a song I like, has only got 1 million. And all the rest are pretty much between 300 and 400,000. So there's got to be something about that song. It might feature on a lot of uh, playlists. Yeah I, yeah, I would assume so. How many monthly listeners do you reckon they've got on Spotify, Steve? I'm trying to think back to some of the other punk bands that we've had, and they've all been in like the hundred thousands. Mm-hmm. But I looked this up, and I'm going to tell you. Okay. It's 1.8 million. It's correct, yes. So, again, that's a huge amount of listeners. Um, I was really surprised when I read that and saw that. Um, just to sort of compare them to their counterparts, so you've got Less Than Jake with 607,000 monthly listeners, Real Big Fish with 995,000, which I was really surprised at, even with Real Big Fish, to be honest with you. It just shows you how big they are. Yeah, I think that's crazy, to be honest. I thought they'd have a lot less. Yeah, Mad Caddies, 227,000. I'll be honest with you, I've heard of, never really listened to them. Yes, yeah, um, And MXPX with four, uh, 492,000. So that's kind of where I would expect these sort of bands to be sitting. You know, they are insanely popular, but they are by no means mainstream. Um, not saying that even 1.8 million is mainstream as such, but it's such a huge amount for a, a punk band. Yeah, because usually you see that around the, like 200,000, like 400,000. Alkaline Trio at 800,000, and I'm like, well, if you've got more listeners than Alkaline Trio, you're doing pretty well, because like, to me, they're, they're like a massive band, especially in like the subculture, 
But yeah, for 1.8 million for Goldfinger, that's that's absolutely crazy, and I wonder why that is. Next question, you've got to use your ears, Steve. I'm going to play a little snippet of The End of the Day, and you need to tell me which Dead Kennedy song was sampled in it. I have my own t-shirts, don't ever need your help. I don't Okay, so from the sample, not gonna lie, I wouldn't have got it, but this is like pretty much the first thing it says on Wikipedia, it's Nazi punks. And what should Nazi punks do? Fuck off. Correct. That was the next question, that was the follow-up question. <laughs> right, next question, what is San Simeon? So I know this because one day I was speaking to my wife, uh, we, li- we was listening to the song in the car, and I was like, what is San Simeon? Like, is it something to do with a monkey? And she Googled it, and it turns out it's a little town in California with, like, 550 people as like as their population. And I thought, well, this must have just been a place where John Feldman wants to go back. He's like, take me back. I want to go back on holiday to San Simeon. I thought it was about monkeys as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what a simian is, right? Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. That's how I know what a simian is. No, I just know it because I know that a simian is a monkey. I don't, I don't take all my knowledge from a... Cartoon. Cartoons, I'm afraid, Steve. True or false, Goldfinger held the Guinness World Record for the most concerts played in a year for a touring band. That is true. And like I said, I did my research on this one. 385 shows in one year. And I did my calculations. That is 1.05 shows per day. And quick maths again, just amazing, Steve. I know, I've written that down, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's actually an insane amount. Because even touring bands now, they'll do sort of five or six gigs and then you'll usually see a couple of days gap. Yeah, they'll have a um, break, yeah. I suppose the only thing is, is, we don't know if it was the same venue every single night. No, so I... I assume it's not because it's a touring band, but... Because it says touring band... And then I had I tried to find out, well, if they held it, who holds it now? And I couldn't really find it out, apart from what I did find was that the record, or a record, is held by... I want to get this right. So I'm just not going to get this right. It's like Corochester, Bad Kissingen. And they have got 727 shows in a year. But it's not a touring band. It is um, like a, a quartet or something like that. Like a brass band or something. Right, okay, so they'll do like the, whatever it is, it's called the, you know, the af- the matinee show and the afternoon and the evening shows and things like that. Yeah, so for a touring band, I just couldn't find the answer. But I mean, either way, I mean, that is actually insane. I wouldn't be surprised if they still do hold it, I'll be honest. But... Oh yeah, definitely. So these next couple of questions are more about John Feldman, aka Mr. Goldfinger. So is John Feldman a vegan now? I thought he was, but I recently read that he is actually a pescatarian. Which means? Fuck the fish. Damn right. So that's the questions out of the way, Steve. Talk to me about the album. What, what's your overall opinions? What are your thoughts on it? So for some reason, I had really high hopes for this album. Like I said, I really like the Knife album. I really like Never Look Back. I was a big fan of a lot of the songs on Open Your Eyes. And, you know, I've, I've, there's a few... I guess hits of Goldfinger that I really enjoyed, but this album was just a bit of a letdown for me, to be honest. It just lacked a bit of oomph. Like when the first song kicked in, I was like, at first, oh, this is going to be good. It's I'm Down. And then halfway through, I was just like, 
you know what? This is missing somewhere. There's something that it's not grabbing me like it should do. And I felt that for most of the songs on the album, to be honest. I really liked Counting the Days. I really liked 99 Red Balloons. And I really liked San Simeon. They're all songs that I've heard previously and do listen to. Everything else was just a bit like lackluster or forgettable. Overall, as an album, I think it's pretty weak. It's got some good songs on it, but I'm not going to go back and listen to it. Goldfinger have got much better songs and much better albums in their catalogue, I think. So Counting the Days, it's got a really catchy chorus. I really like that one, and I find myself singing along to it when, it, when it's on. Ninety Nine Red Balloons is a cover. Kind of hard to mess up a cover when it's already a good song, and this has got a really cool groove to it. San Simeon doesn't really have like a, a super catchy chorus, but there's something about it that is just really cool. And I think it's his vocal delivery. Wherever I go, wherever I stay, my mind will always be. Wherever I go, wherever I stay, my mind will always be. San So right at the end of the song there, we're shouting, take me back, take me back. I think it's like, you can really feel it. Like, like when he's singing it, he's, he's definitely thinking about something and, and it's got some like emotion behind it. And I think that's what draws me in. And it just, to me, sounds really, really cool. Well, all I'll say is, thank God he didn't go to Brilliant and have a lovely time because it would have been a completely different song. Doesn't have quite the same ring to it. No. I think it'd be like, I'm never going back to Brilliant and would be more sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your opinion on this album, mine? So I quite like the album. However, it does have some weird bits in it. Um, and there's a song that I really do not like. It's like one of the worst songs that I've heard for a long, long while. Um, so, But the overall view of the album is really good. Uh, very similar to the songs that you liked. So Counting the Days, I didn't realise that was on this album. I don't think I've ever really properly listened to it. But when I heard it, I was like, I've, I remember this song. And it's because to play it live. And obviously to uh, still make it into their set list 20-odd years later 
it's obviously going to be a good song or it's a song that they enjoy playing. And then as soon as they enjoy playing it, you get that energy from them live as well. So, and it's got a really cool sing-along part as well, which is the chorus. The other song I really like on the album is 99 Red Balloons. It is a classic. Um, it's got 88 million players, as we discussed on Spotify, for a reason. The riff, the, the pretty heavy riff that it's got in it, which is really cool, which we'll play. The other thing I really like about the album, it's got a real good mix of faster punk songs. It's got quite slow and mellow ones. I think there's one called Margaret Ann that's quite a slower, pleasant song to listen to, really. They always seem to make you feel so small, Margaret And that's pretty consistent with their newer albums with songs like California On My Mind. And that's all right, yeah, yeah. Summer nights come and go. I left my heart in Mexico. Back to the beach in San Diego where the sun shines all in this day. And the other thing to point out on this album is I think it's quite an accessible skate punk ska kind of album. So that's my overall thought of the album, and that's my favourite songs on the album. And every song's pleasant, apart from Bro, which I, I hate, which we'll come on to in a minute. It's just an awful song. You're not my bro! Don't say it! There's a few reasons I don't like it. The fact that John Feldman doesn't hardly sing in it, and it says bro. Do you know how many times it says bro, Steve? Not a clue. It says it 22 times. That's too many times. That is too many times. And it just feels like, and this is going to sound a bit... 22 too many times. <laughs> this is it, yeah. Oh, wait. 22 too... I can't do it. <laughs> 22 many times. Because it's 22. So the... Um... <laughs> So yeah, it's super repetitive and it's almost something that you would kind of expect from Crazy Town. I'll be honest with you, it really reminded me of Crazy Town. Just the way it was kind of sort of frat boy. Yeah, it was just not a good song. And I think if John Feldman sang in it more, maybe, but I don't know who the singer is, but... I, I thought it was just him putting on a voice, but yeah, it, every time it came on, I was like, ah, oh, this is just one of them joke songs. I know they've got a few joke songs in, the, in their uh, repertoire, but I was just like, yeah, I just, not for me. So I put a post on Instagram earlier to see what other people thought of, of this album. So have a look and see if we've got any comments. No, we, we don't have any. Goldfinger, Stomping Ground. It was an obvious choice for our 21st episode, wouldn't you say, Steve? Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the end of another great episode, Martin. Definitely worth a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on. 
You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us a comment. Send us an email to isitdadrockyet at gmail.com and tell us a cool story. Also, finally, happy birthday to Keanu Reeves, who is celebrating his 58th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. So with a, a with a single, <laughs> with a, <yeah. laughs> oh, you prick. Steve's a prick. I'll keep that in. <laughs> that could be the intro. Wait, just go back yeah. and just say. So that's a bit of the background of the game. So that's a bit of the background about the game. Is that right? Say again. So that's the background of where the game is. No. So that's the background. Oh, what am I saying? Wait, no. Um. You're supposed to ask me what art you just say. Oh, okay. Like, choose yeah. an album because I'm pretending I don't know what the game oh. is. Don't put this in. <laughs> Unless you've got anything else to add, Martin, let's kick this motherfucker off. Do, do, diggy, diggy, do. Actually, Steve, I do. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, Steve, I'm, I'm the quiz master for this episode, and I will kick it straight off with who are the Ben Mambas? <laughs> the, man, the, the Ben Mambas. <laughs> the Ben, ben Mambas. <laughs> He eats fish. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at me like a weirdo. I'm just double checking. People might not know this information. We need to give the people facts and figures, Steve. Do you, do you want me to go back and say fuck the fish? Because I thought you was going to say that. <laughs> you can say that. I mean, that's what my notes say, but maybe I'm just getting vented. <laughs> Which, again, worked really well, and I think his voice goes really well with it as well. As well. I'm saying well a lot, as well. You can cut them bits.